Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Read my lips. We're live. It's May 10th already. Where is 2021 going? We waited a year for this year and now it's almost half over. Oh my goodness. I want to give a disclaimer to our audience. We're live on Facebook and and live on Voice America Radio, the Empowerment Channel. This show is different than I've done in a long, long time. This is a serious topic, but keeping with my theme, we're going to be having a cool conversation with creatives. And our topic today is interventions. We have some serious business to talk about, but we're going to keep it on the creative side. And I want to tell you before I I get into too much that I've invited, the reason we're doing this topic, and you know, I stay away from addictions and diseases and abuse. I don't cover those topics, but uh, sometime last year, I met Jenny and Scott Graham, who are here with me on the screen on Facebook. You can see them. They're some of the coolest people I've met in a long, long time. And I meet a lot of cool people. They're interesting. Scott is a former I think I call it a narc. He was a narcotics cop deep undercover in L.A. Jenny did all kinds of interesting things. I know part of her history is she was a pole dancer. We'll get to the other part of her life. They met at a restaurant. They eloped to Las Vegas 20 days later. He was going to jail for some of his undercover nonsense, which whatever he was doing. And they, they, they've been married for 30 years. And they started an intervention company. They're both in recovery. I was so taken with them, their stories, their persona, their personality, their authenticity, their sharing, their caring. That's a lot of nice things I'm saying about you, Scott and Jenny. Mm. You should be sitting on the other side because I have Scott left and Jenny right on my on the name. It says Scott and Jenny. So anyway, <laughs> I'm only teasing. And I asked them to come back because I thought it would be really a good idea to find out more about what they do. And I'm very honored. I'm almost in tears here to welcome two very smart, lovely young ladies who are successful intervention Successes. That's all I'm going to say. We have Becca White with us. Becca, you can wave to the audience. There's beautiful Becca and beautiful Lindsay Shea. Lindsay, please wave. I'm honored to have both of you. I'm honored because you're brave. You are willing to say who you are, what you do, what you've done. We're not going to get into any deep, dark secrets here, but we want to talk about successes and I want to keep it on my creativity theme. So welcome. And I have a task for all of you before we even get started even further Becca, Lindsay, Scott, and Jenny, I want you to wave and say hello to LLL. I'll count to three on the count of three. Hello, LLL. One, two, three. Hello, LLL. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listener. <laughs> and she lives in Whitestone, New York, because I'm from Long Island. I met her at dancing at a dance lesson many, many years ago. I moved to North Carolina. She's still in New York, but she doesn't live in a place that starts with an L. So Becca and Lindsay, I'm trying to take up a pretend GoFundMe to move Laura to London. I tried Larchmont, which is, she said Larchmont wasn't classy enough. So we're trying to get her to move to London. So I always say hello to LLL. And after the show, she will email and tell me how wonderful you all were. I can guarantee that. So she's my, <laughs> she's our loyal listener of the night. She always is. And I appreciate you, LLL. So here we are, May 10th. And I want to do a shout out also to Josh 
One Name Wonder, our engineer who refuses to be anywhere on the web, so you can't find him even if you look at Voice America, the Empowerment Channel. Thank you, Josh, for getting us on the air. So let's go around the table. Let's do a little bit of introduction here. Jenny and Scott, Scott and Jenny, whoever wants to talk first, I'm so happy to see you. We planned this months and months and months ago. I'm going to put you on speaker view and let you talk to everybody. Just give us a little bit of your colorful background, if I can say that, (laughs) please. I did a little overview of it. I don't even know if Becca and Lindsay knew that about you. I might have been sharing some family secrets. So ladies, if that's a shock, I'm sorry, but this is live radio and that's the way it goes. So Scott and Jenny, why don't you reintroduce yourself, take three or four minutes together. And I want to get into what an intervention is, what it means and how you started your company or your organization, Carefrontation. So I'm putting you on speaker. Go ahead. And welcome. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Red, for having us. We've been so excited from you know the the moment we met you, and then you know the time we had with you on your show was just so much fun, and then we feel honored for us to be back, and doubly honored to have uh, Becca and Lindsay with us as well too. So, Jenny, we met in the middle of our mess, my mess. She middle of his mess. Yeah, wasn't my, I was out of my mess. Yeah. So she cleaned up, and I was still in a mess, and and. Uh, like you said, I'm ex-LA County Sheriff's deputy, worked undercover vice narcotics and uh, got a little too deep undercover and just got real crazy, not a little crazy, real crazy, and started taking drugs and money instead of taking people to jail and ultimately got caught and uh, was on ABC, NBC, and CBS all in one night. Uh, not a good night. You would think it'd be fun to be on TV, but it wasn't that night. National news, and I was facing six to eight years in prison. So... I was in a really dark place, actually, when, when Jenny and I met. Right, and we met May 10th, 35 years ago. Yep. Are you kidding We've been married me? 35 years. Mm-hmm. So this is a special day. Yep. And wow. meeting a man in the middle of a mess, he wisely didn't tell me about the mess he was in. Waited until the second day. He, he waited 24 hours <laughs> before he broke that news about being on TV and having a lawyer and facing six to eight and all those, those details. He left that part out. Uh, But we did have a conversation. We met at a restaurant, outdoor cantina, patio music, and, you know, high noon on Mother's Day. And literally after talking to each other for over three hours, he went off to pick up his mom and take her out to dinner and said to his mother, I met the gal I'm going to marry this afternoon. Yep. And he hadn't told me that, but I mean, that was already going through his mind. And the same thing was going through my mind that I just met the guy that this is it. So we like to think of it as a divine intervention, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. that we met Mm -hmm. by chance on a patio in a busy restaurant. Meant to be. And the word, I think it's a Yiddish word is beshert. Beshert. It was beshert. It was fate. It was kismet that the two of you should be on that patio. And Becca and Lindsay are agreeing. It was fate that you should meet. It was just in the stars, in the cards it was supposed to be. Can, tell me a little bit more. And Jenny, I said that you were a pole dancer. I'm sure you were doing something else in your life at that point. Is there anything else you want to confess to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me clarify that I didn't. I, I did pop out of boxes and I danced on tabletops, but I wasn't naked. So I was a belly dancer. Good one, too. mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing. And that was a real struggle for me as a young adult in the sense that men had a real problem with the fact that I like 
was so outgoing. And so I really met my match when I met this guy, because what I what I found out a couple hours into the conversation was that he was stripping part time for a little part time money, because he was uh no, you didn't tell me about the court case till the next day, but he did tell me he was stripping. Yeah, I'm stripping and I'm all, <gasps> will you give me a deal? I need a stripper next week. So I was throwing a bridal shower for my sister and I didn't have any entertainment lined up. So talk about kismet. Guess who I hired? And so mm-hmm. that's how he met his future mother-in-law and the rest of my family was at that party and they're all in a g-string oh wow he's perfect for her because they knew you know my situation so yeah we were just gonna dance into the sunset and like the whole thing you know you ride into the sunset well we danced yeah. into the sunset nice the story it's just a wonderful story it's a story about real people no pretense no, no shame no oh i shouldn't have told him i should you're, you're right out there I, that's what I loved about the two of you when I met you last year. You you surprised me. I didn't know most of this when you were on my show with another with a woman who was an author on a different topic, and I was absolutely flabbergasted. That's why I said you have to come back and do a show. I'd like to have the opportunity to meet the two ladies who are with us today. So yes. let me start with you, Lindsay Shea. Would you please do us the honor of introducing yourself? Just a couple of minutes. Tell us why are you here? How do you know Scott and Jenny Graham? What happened? Lindsay, go ahead. Happy to. Um, really glad to be here. Thank you so much, Red. Uh, I feel like I'm getting to know Scott and Jenny even so much better <laughs> already now. This is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so I met Scott on September 7, 2009, when he walked into my parents' house with my cousin and my twin and my aunt. And I was like, oh, this is an intervention. The gig is up. So wow. I, I realized right away what was happening. Um, I just immediately, it just clicked. I was like, okay, um, they, they know I'm, I'm an addict and I'm struggling. And, you know, my family intervened on me, which I'm very grateful for. Um, so I have almost 11 and a half years now in recovery. Um, so I went to treatment. Scott flew me all the way to California and handed me right on off to the, the folks who would take care of me there for a few months after that. I ended up doing four months of residential treatment, another three months of intensive outpatient treatment, and I stayed living in California for a couple years and then decided it was time to come home. And so I moved back to Seattle and I went back to school. So I'm now working as a substance use disorder professional. So I've been working in in treatment now for about seven years, which is actually I reconnected with Scott at a, uh, uh, it was like a like a networking dinner, I look down the table and I'm like, oh, that's my interventionist. (laughs) And so that was really lovely to get to reconnect and see him. I was probably not the um, worst intervention you've done, but I wasn't exactly warm and friendly either. Um, So it was really nice to get to reconnect. And so I've been working treatment, which I love. I'm a yoga teacher on the side and I am in my final year of graduate school as well through Hazelden Betty Ford, getting my master's in addiction studies and mental health to continue on in this path to help others the way that I've been helped. Love it. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. Let me just ask you a question before I invite Becca mm-hmm. to introduce herself. Lindsay, is it hard for you to stay in the field, in the same field that led to your need to have an intervention? Is it hard for you to be studying the things or is it helpful to you personally to know more from an academic perspective? I hope I'm making sense. What do you think? 
You are. It, it is helpful. So, you know, it's it's definitely not my recovery. I actually did all but two classes to be a substance use disorder professional while I was still using because I was trying to learn my way out of it. And that didn't work. You know, an intellectual um, solution was not enough. I could learn about these things intellectually all day. You know, I needed a different approach. But, you know, my entire life is built around my recovery, and that's helpful for me. So my work, you know, my partner is also in recovery. He works in treatment. Uh, My entire life really revolves around this, and it it really, it keeps me on this path. It keeps me grateful and focused, and I'm just so passionate about it based on my lived experience and wanting to help others that I really can't imagine doing anything else. You speak so beautifully, Lindsay. You are so articulate, so (laughs) well put together, your thoughts. And and I I love everything you've said. Thank you for answering my question. I hope it wasn't a difficult one, but I ask whatever comes. Oh, please. It's my show. Whatever you'd like. I'm an open book, Red. Thank you very much. Becca White, would you please do me the honor as well of introducing yourself? Go ahead, Becca, and welcome officially. Thank you so much. And yes, thank you for having me, Red. I really appreciate being here. Um, I met Scott on July 21st, 2015, and that was the day of my intervention. Um, I, at the time, was homeless, and my sister had let me stay on her couch that night before. And I have five sisters and two brothers. I come from a big family. And so that next morning, uh, to my surprise, in walks all of my family with this stranger, Scott Graham. And I was thinking to myself, like, oh boy, this is an intervention. <laughs> and immediately, they didn't give me any time to think. They just started reading their letters. And I was so caught off guard. And even though my life was in a state of an emergency, I still remember thinking, like, this is a bit dramatic. <laughs> like, is this necessary? <laughs> But thank goodness for that day, because I have been so blessed in sobriety, and I've been sober ever since that day. I'll have six years um, in July, and my life has just blossomed since then. Um, I work for the treatment center that Scott dropped me off at their front door. Um, I completed 90 days of intensive inpatient. And then I did five months of intensive outpatient with that same treatment center. Um, I lived in sober living for two years and I really just gave sobriety a hundred percent. And the results have just been incredible. I also decided to go back to school. So right now I'm in my final year um, at California State University Fullerton, getting my master's degree in counseling. I'm on a marriage and family therapy track. So I recently started practicum. Um, I'm doing my practicum at Boys and Girls Club. And it's just been amazing so far. Becca, you are so impressive. So impressive. Both of you articulate, poised, I would never guess. I don't know. I I don't know. I've I've had some people in my life who I suspected were on the other side of almost alcoholism because the drinks just kept coming and coming and coming and they were driving and they were dancing and talking. And I wondered, I didn't know, I wasn't in a position to say anything, but I'm going to ask you the same question, Becca. 
are you, how do you feel about staying in the field, counseling related to and working with, uh, with the, the organization or the place that you, you did your, your stay? Uh, how do you feel about that? Is that a plus for you or is that a, ooh, I don't want to remember? What, what's your thought on that? Oh, I see it as a, an asset because I was once in their shoes, the clients that come in. And so it really gives me um, some insight into mental health and what they're going through and being able to lead and mentor and model what recovery looks like, I feel gives them a sense of hope. Like you can have an amazing life if you if you work this program and, and take advantage of all the resources and the counseling that they're offering you. So it's been incredible, but I do agree with Lindsay that it wasn't, it's not the academic aspect of it that keeps me sober because my bachelor's degree is in addictions counseling and that was before I became an addict. So it just goes to show that. Really? Yes. (laughs) Well, sometimes we go where we don't realize we need or want to go or not go, right? And life, life is, life is a very interesting journey. Okay, I, I, I think uh, I will tell you all that I was very shy as a young girl, and I didn't want to speak in school in front of people. And I used to have to take a little teeny like a grain of Valium to go to my second college. I, I was married and I moved, we moved to another state. I was so nervous about being called on in class that I had to take just a little teeny weeny like a dot. I'm, I'm very, um, I'm, I'm a medphobe and I'm very sensitive to any sub, anything at all. So just mentally to academically calm myself down, I had a, I paid a taxi driver to come pick me up every morning to go to school and I put this little tiny dot and I said, okay, I'm fine now. And I I tricked myself into actually being able to go and do what I needed to do. So I understand nerves and I understand being not sure you know how you're going to handle whatever it is you have to handle. I'm just babbling on here. I tell you what, let's go to, um, I would like to do some famous birthdays and some calendar dates that are interesting in the national calendar. Will you all be willing to do that with me just for a little fun? And then we'll get we'll get back to creativity because I want to talk about, Becca, you mentioned the letters. We're going to talk about that later. I don't know what letters you're talking about, fam. I have a feeling, but I want to know what is it, how intervention works. But let's just do a little, a little break here and we're not taking a break. So let's go. So today, famous day, May 10th, many, many years ago and not so many years ago, the following people were born and we can do a shout out or who in the hell are they? I don't care. Whatever you wanted to. Fred Astaire, one of the most famous dancers in music history, in dancing history, in ballroom dancing, in movies, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And there was a saying that Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards and in high heels. Think about that mm-hmm. in ballroom dancing. Okay, yes, and he was quite something. Donovan, if anybody's ever heard of him, he mm-hmm. he did Scottish singer songwriter. Yeah. Jennifer Juniper was one of his songs. Believe it or not, Becca and Lindsay are looking like what kind of song is that? Atlantis <laughs> was one of his. So look him up, Donovan. One name wonder like Cher, and yes, okay. Keenan Thompson, one of my favorite comedians on Saturday Night Live. He is the funniest guy. His face is rubber. He wears wigs. He wears costumes. You never know what he's going to come out of. He is the longest tenured SNL cast member ever. Are you surprised, Scott and Jenny, that he's been on that long? Whenever he's in a scene, I'm just absolutely delighted. By the way, did you all see the Mother's Day show with Elon Musk this past Saturday? Did you have to watch? 
No, it didn't had do. me in tears. Each cast member had his or her mom, and they got something like a 15 to 20 second little comedy sketch with just a one liner, hey, ma, and an answer, a question, a joke, something that was just a little, little between them. And then they went, they do three at a time, and Miley Cyrus opened with a song that led into these little vignettes of everybody. And then eventually they had all of them with their moms, and they filled the stage with the comedians and their moms. And it was, I cried. I missed my mom terribly. She passed three years ago, but mm-hmm. it was it was actually beautiful. And then Elon Musk came on. He brought his mother. May Musk is a very famous fashion model. Did you all know that? I didn't she know that. Oh. In her seventies, M A Y E Musk, stunning, stunning. She doesn't go for red. She goes for the white look. But I'm I'm the red. So anyway, okay. Matt Franco, magician, thirty two. Happy birthday, Matt. If you can mm-hmm. do magic, that's fine with me. Bono, Irish, another Irish singer, songwriter, music, musician, and activist. He's 60. That's what I call the age of becoming a grown-up for the first time. So, Bono, welcome to Grown-Upville. Yes. I don't think Scott and Jenny are there yet. And yes. there's a music producer, age 21, whose name is CG5. Are you familiar with him or her? Mm-hmm. Lindsay, mm-hmm. Becca, you have, see no. they, these TikTok and, and Instagram stars and, and YouTube stars, they have interesting names. So I pick somebody I've never heard of because if it was a drummer, I would have done, I'm a drummer. So I say happy birthday to drummers. Let's do the holidays now. Today is Monday, May 10th. Okay. Everybody fess up. This is National Clean Your Room Day. Becca, Lindsay, okay. Did you celebrate? No. <laughs> Are you going to? <laughs> Probably not. I'm in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a famous uh, admiral, I think, in the, in the Navy who said, if you want to get in somewhere in your life, you have to have discipline enough to just start by, Jenny knows this, make your bed every day. It's just a way to do something that's structured. I make my bed. I work from home and I still make my bed every day. I don't even leave dishes in the sink. I don't like it. I like I like to walk into my bedroom and say, boy, that looks like a nice inviting place. But God, who, what slob left that bed open? So anyway, and it would be me. So, you know, anyway. Okay. And it's also National Shrimp Day. Now, I don't know if they're talking about me because I'm down to five foot. I used to be five foot one. Becca and Lindsay, it will happen eventually. It will. You'll get a little bit shorter, but not yet. And what I'm saying is, I don't know if it was shrimp, like shrimp cocktail or shrimp. So do you eat shrimp, Lindsay, Becca? Anybody going out for shrimp cocktail? Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, maybe. <laughs> Scott, and Je- Scott and Jenny, you shrimp fans, shrimp, shrimp oh, yeah. teriyaki, shrimp scampi. Anybody? Yeah, we will, we'll, we'll eat those bottom drawers, no problem. Okay, good. That took care of that. Now, tomorrow is National Eat What You Want Day, which sounds like it's part of Shrimp Day, but it's the day after. What can I tell you? It's also Twilight Zone Day. There was a TV show called Twilight Zone, remember? Scott, you must remember Twilight Zone. Jenny, yes? Jenny's dad wrote music for that show. You're kidding. Jenny, oh, no. tell us about it. Siri, what, what did your dad do? He wrote music. He wrote the background music for television and movies. So he used to be in big bands. Like he was in Les Brown's band, Tommy Dorsey's band. He was set to go with Bob Hope overseas the first year he was going to entertain the troops. And he actually traveled the country with Jerry... Uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin, when they had a 12 piece band travel with them when they, you know, were traveling. And then I was his inspiration where he didn't want to travel and be in bands. He needed some kind of steady gig. So he, he started doing, uh, he just did independent work for different studios, writing music. So he would write that background music for like the movie of the week. And he actually wrote the last twilight zone movie, uh, the score for that. And then in his later years, he started uh, teaching other people how to do it. So it's 
just I'm amazing that very people come impressed. from around the world to take his classes at UCLA. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And when I go through this calendar of silly holidays, I just pick and choose whatever appeals to me. I didn't pick it because I knew your dad had written music for Twilight Zone. And here we are. So, yeah. hey, sometimes it just works out. It's also National Third Shift Workers Day. Is anybody a third shift worker? Yeah. No, we're is there such a not, not anymore. Is <laughs> there, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> is there such a thing as a third shift? Is there a first oh, shift? Yeah. Is there, yes. Are there really? Because I was thinking of the pandemic. Well, I guess there were people who actually had to go in for, for shifts, right? Yeah, like 11, to, 11 at night to 7 in the morning be a good third uh, shift. I bet a lot, of, a lot of people in hospitals were doing third shift, right? Uh-huh. And probably long third shifts. It's also, here's an interesting one. It's National Foam Rolling Day. Do you know what that is? <laughs> you get a big piece of foam. You put it under your feet. You lie down and you roll it under your feet. And it's supposed to be the poor man's massage. That's what they say. It could be the poor woman's massage. It'd just be a person's massage. You can't afford a massage therapist. You put this big piece of foam and you just roll it back and forth and it strengthens the back of your calves. You could probably put it under your neck. You could hurt yourself. What can I say? Okay, that takes care of that. Wednesday is National Limerick Day and I didn't prepare a limerick, but I should have. Jenny, do you have any favorite limericks? Oh my gosh, I, I can't bring one up from the deep vault, but I wish that I could because I remember having to write limericks in school. I bet. I bet. Lindsay and Becca, do you know what a limerick is? Yes, but I don't have one off the top of my head. It's like things like there was a lady from Cork Mm -hmm. and she liked Mindy, but she didn't like Mork. One day on the way, she had to say, um, could you please not pass me the spoon? I need a fork. There, that's a limerick, right? (laughs) I'm impressed. I'm not, but thank you very much. I'm trying here. I'm really trying. <laughs> Haikus are a little more, more difficult to do. It's also Wednesday is National Nutty Fudge Day. Who likes fudge and who likes it with nuts? Lindsay, Becca? Nuts? Fudge, but not nuts. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's, it sticks, you know. But Becca, dark fudge, white fudge, what do you like? Um, I like milk chocolate, light fudge. Okay. You ever made it with marshmallow cream? You ever made it yourself? Ooh, no, but that sounds amazing. There's a recipe on the jar by the marshmallow cream. Okay. There is Jenny and Scott, marshmallow fudge, chocolate fudge, dark fudge. Dark for me. Dark, dark for me. Me With too. With lots of nuts. Me too. Lindsay, what's your favorite flavor of fudge? Uh, peanut butter chocolate. Ooh, I have to try that. It's also Wednesday, May 12th is odometer day. So be nice to the odometer in your car, I guess. I couldn't figure what that is. It's National Porridge Day. Does anybody know what porridge is? Becca or Lindsay? Porridge? Jenny knows. Don't tell them. You know porridge is? Like hot cereal? (laughs) Yes, it's like oatmeal. The three little bears, Goldilocks and the, the three bears. There was porridge in their bowl and it was too hot to eat, right? I can't right. eat this, said to Mama Bear. I, okay, we know that. And it's also receptionist day. So if you know anybody who's a receptionist, I wonder if that applies to VAs, virtual assistants. Does that qualify as somebody? I would support? think so. I would think so, too. Yes, I would mm-hmm. think so. Okay, let's go to Thursday is International Hummus Day. Anybody eat hummus? No. Okay, Absolutely. good. We have hummus. It's also, and this is going to give you a tummy ache. If you have hummus, you're supposed to follow it with National Apple Pie Day. I don't think those would go together. What do you think, Lindsay? No, no. Separate times of the day. Thank you very much. Becca, what about you? Apple pie? Yeah, not together, but I love apple pie. But I'm going to make it more difficult because it's also National Crouton Day and National Fruit Cocktail Day. How did they put together hummus, apple pie, croutons, and fruit cocktail on the same day? That sounds like a 
uh, tummy ache. Yeah, I've got one right now. Just thinking about it. Jenny, what Jenny, what would you be celebrating? Crouton, fruit cocktail, apple pie or hummus? What's your point? Oh, apple pie all the way. I, I go with you. I like a, I'm a pie girl. cinnamon in it. You know, you can make an apple pie without the top crust. Just It's called an English apple pie where it's almost all apples. You just have a bottom crust. Look it up. There must be a hundred recipes for that. Maybe a million. Okay. We're going to even do more food because on Friday, May 14th, it's National Buttermilk Biscuit Day. Count me in. What do you mm-hmm. think? Ladies, do you make biscuits? You eat biscuits? I've never made biscuits, but I would eat one. Do you ever buy Bisquick? The, the you can bake. Uh, I don't know if I ever have. <laughs> Bisquick comes in a box and it's got the flour and the baking soda and a little bit of salt in it. You can make biscuits. You can make waffles, pancakes. You either add milk or water or an egg. And the recipe's there. And there's a recipe for biscuits. And if you do them, take about twelve minutes in the oven, and they're divine. That's all I can tell you. It's also it's time for something funny. Friday is Dance Like a Chicken Day. Can everybody give me a little chicken dance here? <laughs> da 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 da. Da, 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 da. I think that was a chicken dance. Okay, I'm getting crazy here. All right, Saturday is National Astronomy Day. Look to the stars. It's Family Day. That's a good thing. It's Chocolate Chip Day. They didn't say whether they're in a cookie or not. I eat them right out of the package. I keep them mm-hmm. in the freezer, and they're really good. You just don't want to break your teeth on them. And it's Nylon Stocking Day. Now, nothing coming <laughs> from the two young ladies, but Jenny, talk about nylon stockings. Do you remember? Oh, yes. And whether or not you're going to get the coffee color or the suntan color and or the nude color. Yes. Yeah. What a big deal those were. Yes. And you remember the things you held them up with, the garter belts? Yes. Yes. They were little and they had little, uh, you, you bought a little pair of panties that had little garters attached to them. Ladies, do you know what a garter is? Jenny, yeah, you do. Okay, yeah. They were attached to these little things you wore over your panties and you stra- you clicked them onto the stockings to hold them up. Right, Jenny? Yes, this is very exciting. Sunday is National Barbecue Day. This is a food week. It's piercing day. Okay, how many people have piercings, can I ask? Earrings, earrings, earrings. Scott, do you have any you want to add? I did. I did back in the day, but it's been closed up for many years. Okay. I will tell you that I'm watching a TV series, British detective shows. I'm I'm subscribed to so many channels. Every time I find a show I like, I got to buy into Acorn. I got to buy into PBS Masterpiece Thriller. I got to buy into BritBox. I'm, I know what my subscription fee is. But there's a show called MI5, which in Britain is called Spooks. And it's mm-hmm. 10 seasons. They keep killing off their major. These are the anti-terrorism spy agency in Britain, in, in the government. And they keep killing off their your favorite actors and agents. Like every two years, they get to last two or three years, and then they blow up in a bomb or somebody kills them. Anyway, the point is one of the main actors, who is a very charming, very handsome British actor named Rupert Penry Jones, and he starred in Silk as well. You can tell how much time I'm watching TV. There was an episode... He just was blown up in a car bomb in the show I watched today, beginning of season seven, and we will miss him. And I cried. But about two episodes ago, he had an earring. He has never in the entire many seasons he's been on shown up on the TV screen with one earring. And Mm -hmm. it bothered me so much. I Googled (laughs) it. and I said, why is Adam Carter, his character, why is he wearing an earring? And apparently it didn't bother anybody else. So nobody said a word. I don't know. I couldn't find anything. But it bothered me so much that ever since between then and the time they they killed him off in a car bomb. By the way, he drove to a field to get the car bomb away from a bunch of people at a Remembrance Day ceremony. Jenny knows this. And he he didn't get out of the car in time. And it's... 
okay. But he didn't have the earring in, and I wonder what happened to the earring. It was just me. Okay, <laughs> now, so it's it's also um, Monday, next Monday, and I give this because I'll be on the air at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock Eastern, and the day will be almost over. It's National Walnut Day next Monday, National Pack Rat Day. Jenny Becca, admit, are you pack rats? Do you know what that is? Yes, but I am not one. You're not one? Lindsay, do you know what a pack rat is? I do, but I am also not one. I try to get rid of things. There you go. You know, it's hoarders also. It's also hoarders. Jenny and Scott, anything you're hoarding you want to admit to? Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. Well, I'm hoarding artwork because I've turned into a painter since COVID started and I have made 125 paintings. Oh my gosh. And there's hardly a wall in my house that does. I've got them lined up on the floor in the hallway to my garage. I don't have any more walls. So anyway, I guess I'm hoarding my own. Pay. I tried to sell some on Etsy, but nobody got what I was doing. It's also tax day on the 17th because it was deferred for a right. uh, for yes, from April 15th to May 17th. So that's it for holidays and for birthdays. Let's talk about interventions. Scott, am I offending you by saying, how do you get creative in an intervention? Are those two words that don't belong together? Or are you okay with my asking the question? No, I think it's, uh, well, the way I describe how, and Jenny's the same way, we're, we're kind of flying by the seat of our spirit. So that's a creative way to you know, present and bob and weave or however, whatever's going on, you, you can't just state a script. You've got to just be your authentic, transparent self or uh, because, you know, Lindsay and, and Becca, you, even though you kind of knew it was scripted, you can smell a sales job pretty quickly when you're, you know, where, where you were at, anybody can. So, uh, no, I think, I think we're absolutely, if a dentist is trying to get something out of your teeth, we're trying to get something out of someone's soul. So with these family members, we're telling them, don't be generic. Don't just say, you know, don't say something that's an overview. Give me creativity. And we're really trying to spark their creativity Mm -hmm. because we're trying to spark your creativity as you listen and wake up something that's been dormant in you. So creativity, I would say, is at the heart of the process that we're trying to do. And it's interesting because when you have a creative person in a preparation, you're trying to reel them in because they want to go way, you know, off to the races. And then someone who's really dry it's it's like trying to just mm, pull that out of them because it's in there. They just don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for answering that. I have a question for both of you before I speak to Becca and Lindsay. My question is, how do you know when it's appropriate the time is right for an intervention? Somebody calls you, Scott and Jenny, and they say, okay, I have a young lady in my life. It, it would be Lindsay. It would be Becca. The family is ready. We know this person is at a danger point. I don't know what I don't know what that means, but I'm just using the term. How do you evaluate, Scott, without giving away any trade secrets, how do you evaluate that the time is right for you to become engaged as the interventionist? When when is it the time? Is it ever too soon? I'm not going to talk about too late, but is it ever too soon? To Scott, Jenny, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Go ahead. I, I don't think it is ever too soon because really it's just a glorified family meeting that kind of feels like a surprise party. And all you're doing is just presenting, you know, your truth. You're not shrinking back, but it is organized and it's spoken in a way where there's no judgment or persecution where, you know, a person would feel like we're calling them out. So, you know, to me, it's never too early. And if they're still breathing, it's never too late. And for people to have the courage to call someone like us is a big deal. It's not like just a bad habit for the past week. It's been going on for a while. 
and they just don't know what else to do typically. I wish they would call sooner, quite frankly. Most people call pretty late in the game. Right. There is such a paradigm around that where they think that they have to be at their rock bottom or almost at their rock bottom. And and we refute that. We say, oh, gosh, their rock bottom could be such a frightening place. Like, Mm -hmm. let's do this sooner. And what we do could be done as a softer intervention and a much sooner part of that predictable pathway. But Mm -hmm. for these ladies and for most of our clients, they're far down the line. Like you said, they're at a danger point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Becca, you mentioned letters. Let's start with you. Are you comfortable talking about your intervention? Was it like a surprise party? Was everybody there with love? Was everybody there with fear or or, or exasperation? What, What did you perceive? Just tell me if you don't mind a little bit about how that went. Yeah, um, and I don't mind sharing it. Uh, my family was devastated. They were in fear, and I could see it on their faces right away. Um, and I get kind of emotional thinking about it just because, to me, that's like the hardest part was um, having to face my family and hear how my addiction had affected them. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, no, don't apologize. Do not. Okay. But you know what? That gives me like the strength. Um, I've honored every amends that I've made to them and working my program. And that's like how I get to pay it back to them. But those letters were probably the most impactful um, part of my intervention. I will never forget hearing those letters for sure. Can you tell me about the letter that impacted you the most? I don't know anything about your family constellation. I don't know if you have parents, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, cousins. So who was there just in general in terms of the positions in the family? And what letter really, really grabbed you the most? Yeah, so I had um, all of my siblings, um, minus my brothers, were unable to make it and some um, in-laws as well. And... My mom's letter was probably the most impactful because I think she was like the fourth person to go. So the shock of like, this is an intervention had kind of worn off. And um, I really remember hearing every word that she said. Um, Probably the most impactful statement she made is that she didn't want to have to bury her daughter. Oh, so. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) that one kind of (laughs) hit. I, I had a feeling it was going to be a, a mom letter. I just, yeah. as a mom, I, I had a sense. Thank you, Becca. Yeah. I'm going to take you off the spot. Lindsay, love to hear from you. What was your intervention like? Yeah, my intervention was, uh, I wouldn't call it a party, but my family definitely showed up with a lot of love. Uh, I, I heard from them later that they thought that I was angry, but really I was just terrified because I knew the gig was up. You know, I had been flying under the radar as an addict for many years before my family finally, you know, really said, like, this has to change. And, you know, the most impactful, I have a twin. Uh, We are identical. They are eight minutes older than I am. And they are not an addict. um, But they also say they're not a normie because they think like the rest of us. Uh, And I'm pretty sure Scott planned it to have them read their letter last as like the kicker. And I tried to get them to not read their letter. I was like, I'll go. I'm done. Nope, it's fine. I really, I don't, I don't want to hear your letter. And, you know, I really admire that they were like, no, I need to say this to you and I need you to hear me. And it was really hard. I don't remember the specifics, but I just remember being so heartbroken of the, the pain and the hurt that I had caused to people that I loved so much. 
And, you know, my aunt, actually, I asked my family um, a few years ago if they still had the letters because I wanted to reread them. And most of my family couldn't find them, but my aunt found hers Mm -hmm. and she sent it to me and I still have it. And what really stuck out to me in going back and rereading it is that everything that she hoped and wanted for me and thought that my life could be if I said yes and went to treatment came true for me. And it was just so amazing to see even like the specificity of what she could see my life could be like really came true. And it was such an amazing thing to be able to look back on that and reread it years into my recovery. Thank you very much. Both very, very real deal here. Scott and Jenny, any any comments? Uh, why letters? Is is letters, is that something that's standard in interviews? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's standard, but we have a... Um, it's so much bigger than just getting the ladies to say yes to help. I mean, that has to happen for, for anything else to happen. But we find that treatment providers tend, therapists tend to not have information that they really could utilize to serve their clients better. So it's a way for a therapist to really get a snapshot of, you know, the fabric of the family. And unfortunately, Lindsay, you know, you, you were supposed to have letters and keep for the rest of your life because, you know, we had a gentleman who 15 years after I intervened on him had passed away and they found him, you know, dead on the floor, but he had all the letters in his pocket. Wow. That's how important they were to, to this gentleman. And who stayed clean and sober for the 15 years from intervention to death. And, and the reason for the letters too is families have a tendency to want to call people out, to want to stack up evidence and convict them into treatment. And we think that's very counterproductive. And so the, the, the main purpose of the letter is to wake up what's been taken hostage by the dysfunction. It's to remind, you know, the ladies what we love about you, what we miss about you, what we want to have more of you in our lives. And because addiction, it, it separates us and a healthy lifestyle connects us. And we're trying to get that connection again. And we also, you know, I think it's, it's important to know that in the middle of dysfunction, our world is very small. It's basically a threesome, me, myself, and I. And I, I, we want them to understand that, you know, here's, here's the effect if you keep going the way you're going. And conversely, here's the upside with help, what, what, what that life can look like. So we're just trying to broaden their life, broaden their perspective, and the letter can be a very valuable resource in, you know, that can last a lifetime if you still have it. So. And so, and so, literally, the um, the fact that you can remember your letters is so such a big deal if you don't physically have them. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that we've really shifted how we do that, in that we are trying to always gather digital copies of the letters. We've been doing ask. that for yep. years now, mm-hmm. just for the very thing that you're speaking of. Yep. and it, it does. It, it makes such a difference. But but the letter. The letter, more than all those goals of what it's trying to do for you, what it tried to do for you on your intervention day, for us on preparation day, it's it's our way of managing what could be a dysfunctional group because mm-hmm. you can have people who are well-meaning, well-educated, or the opposite, and or any mix thereof, mm-hmm. and left to their own devices, they go back to the logical part of their brain. And they want to stack up evidence and they want to prove their point and they want to justify why they want you to get this help. And all of that is, is so beside the point. And, and if logic were the deciding factor, you, you would have already gotten help. 
you would mm. not have needed an intervention because that was the logical thing to do. You were disconnecting from your family. You were disconnecting from your purpose. You were disconnecting from a long and healthy life. You were doing everything to shorten your life. So left to their own devices, it's a train wreck. And that's why these non-professional, non-professional interventions, which I'll just call you know, family confrontations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 90% of the time they don't work because people go down that avenue. Mm -hmm. So the letters and that preparation time that takes so many hours uh, leading up to that day that they were in front of you, that's where we're like the taskmaster trying to edit out their logic and keep the heart. And real quick too, there's something incredible that happens when people write these amazing letters, but then when they read them, I mean, the floodgates open. And I believe that we are much more moved by what we see and feel Mm -hmm. rather than actually what we hear. Mm -hmm. So it's this demonstrative outpouring that moves the needle because if I, I mean, I remember back, I remember you curled up in a little ball sitting next to me on that airplane wishing that this day was over (laughs) and, and just like, like, like death was upon you. And Lindsay, I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you being really anxious. There was a lot of angst that you were experiencing and, and, and there was nothing that really I could do to take that away. So I knew it was a really difficult day. And, you know, all I'm there to be, I'm not there to be, you know, your dad or a policeman, but just to be, you know, a safe person that, you know, I'm going to get you there safely. And, you know, it is such an honor and a privilege and a high calling, you know, to do what we do. Forget about them being successful and all that great stuff to, to be sitting with you too in your moment I mean, it's bigger than words. Making a difference in the most personal, right? The most personal and most critical way. Thank you for that, Scott and Jenny. I appreciate that. And I'm I'm glad we talked about the letters. This is something I know nothing about. Becca, I have a question for you. And then for Lindsay, Becca, you're working, you said your practicum and in your studies at boys and girls clubs. What do you tell them? Do you tell them I am recovered? I went to that place. I had to have an intervention. I almost gave up everything that mattered to me and I'm here to help you. What do you, t- I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you providing a pre-intervention? Are you telling them don't get to the point where you need one? What do you tell them? You know, for me with school or with my practicum, um, as a therapist, we try to not, you want to be careful to self-disclose too much. So that part of myself, I I keep it private Um, but in my field at work, working in the treatment industry, I'm an open book and I really use my experience as, you know, a way to benefit, um, helping them. Um, but as a therapist, uh, practicing therapist, I do understand and can empathize with the struggle. And on that aspect, I'm able to relate to them in that way without actually having to disclose that part of me. Thank you. I did not know that. Lindsay, how about you and your work? What, what, how much disclosure do you do? What's comfortable? What's not? What works? What doesn't? I mean, very, very similar answer to Becca. I'm very careful with it. I'm happy to share with people if they have questions. A lot of time working in treatment, people do want to know because they want to know, can you relate? Do you actually know what I'm talking about? And so a lot of times people will ask, you know, have you been here? And if they don't ask, I will disclose if it seems like it could be helpful to them. I was recently working with someone who was really, really angry and upset to be in the program. 
and really felt like I wasn't understanding and was mm. saying, you know, I hope something like this happens to you someday. And I was like, mm. I've been exactly where you are. I have been there. And he just stopped in his tracks wow. and was like, really? And wow. we were able to have this, this beautiful moment of connection that really deepened our relationship and, and helped to shift our work together where he was able to actually then be in that space with me and talk about how he was feeling and how upset he was in a different way. And so I, I try to use it in ways that can be connecting and helpful because I'm mm. not there to share my story, but if it can help somebody else, I am happy to, to let them in and let them peek behind that curtain a bit. Walk a mile in my shoes, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where have you been? What do you know? Where have you gone that somebody else didn't know? And will it be helpful? Very interesting. Um, I, we have, I'm looking at the clock. We have about nine, eight minutes left. And I have some wrap up after that. But what I'd like to do is get back to my theme of creativity. And I'm going, I've already talked about creativity and interventions with Scott and Jenny briefly, but I'd like to go to you, Becca, in your life, how do you see, do you see yourself as a creative person now that you're doing so much, you're learning so much, you're getting a profession, you're in school, you're working with kids. Do you bring any kind of creativity? And I'm not talking just about art or music, but uh, I think of creativity as somebody, somebody said to me, well, I raise and brand on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Tuesdays, Thursdays, I have oatmeal. So I'm a creative person with my breakfast. Like, no, I don't think so. So is there creativity in your spirit, in your soul? Do you, do you paint? Do you draw? Do you, do you, uh, where does it come in? Is it the way you see yourself, the way you present yourself. I think creativity should be part of everybody's life. And I think we all have it in some way, shape or form, but we may not know it. So Becca, what does creativity mean to you? That's what I really want to know. Hmm. So I'm not creative in, in that respect of like drawing or anything, but I feel like my, um, the way that I sponsor women, I feel like is my creative touch. I really like to get into the literature and make it fun and exciting and not make working, doing step work boring. Um, so I would say I'm most creative in that aspect, working with others and, and sponsorship. That is creativity. That's exactly what I was looking for. And you said step work. What is step work? Can you define for me? Yeah, so I'm part of a 12-step program, and through that, there are steps that help you get spiritually and emotionally sober, and so once you complete those 12 steps, you can then take on the role of being a sponsor and walking other, while I walk other women through a 12-step process, so. Thank you. I like the way you handle that answer. Very well done. Lindsay, don't copy her. <laughs> how, do you, how do you see yourself as using creativity in, in something that you do with other people or just in your own, in your own path? What do you do? So I was, I've been thinking about this question because I saw this was your topic and I knew mm-hmm. you would ask. And so I've been trying to think of like, well, where does creativity come in? You know, and I think it's really where I try to be creative is with each person that I work with clinically treating them as an individual and being really curious and flexible in how I approach that work and forming a a relationship with that person. You know, I think it can be easy to get into the rote work of just, okay, this is a person and this is what we do for treatment and on to the next. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be creative and individualized and really 
personal with the people that I work with. And I definitely have a creative outlet in teaching yoga, which I've done both in treatment and a little bit outside. And so creating an individual class, sometimes I work one-on-one with people in that or um, creating groups that weave in themes of recovery into the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual practice of yoga. Uh, I'd say that's where I get to be the most creative, which has been a little on hiatus with COVID, but I hope to get back to that at some point. Hopefully this year, we'll see. But that's definitely where I feel like my creativity really gets to shine. Thank you. I'm going to say your hair is very creative, Lindsay. It looks like you <laughs> have all you. kinds of highlights. Yes. You, you so it's a I'm, shag. I was going for that 70s look a little, you know. Why it's not? Kind of, it's coming back around. I, I've just gotten into <laughs> highlights recently. I've had a new hairdresser and I said, just put stuff in. And $200 later, I walked out with after 12 foils and five hours. No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. It's very right. blonde in the back. Yeah, I'm very happy with it. I tell them, just have fun with my hair. Just just don't cut it all off and just have fun with it. Do whatever you want and send me the bill. And that's just my treat for myself and somebody else's creativity. Jenny, are you still doing the dancing, the tabletop, the jumping out of cakes? Come on. What's your no, I No, I laid that down a long time ago, Um, but I do love to dance around, just not publicly. Okay. All right. So you're a creative private dancer then, right? Correct. So I'm creative (laughs) in my dancing. I'm creative in my cooking when I cook, which is not as much anymore. Well, what do you like to cook? What's your, what's your most creative dish you make, Jenny? Um, I have made some really interesting lasagnas. Okay. What's interesting about lasagna to the noodle sauce and noodle sauce and meat and cheese or meatless? Not doing any meat Ah. and doing different kinds of vegetables and doing different kinds of sauces, not traditional red sauces. Nice. Very nice. Thank you. Scott, where's your creativity these days? Well, she took my cooking and my creative cooking. You've heard, you've heard of musco dishes, right? No. What is a musco dish? Everything in the refrigerator must go. (laughs) I thought that was called a sci- I thought that was called a science experiment in the kitchen. No, no, it's called it's called incredible omelets. It's it's really it works, it works really well with eggs. Uh-huh. So don't throw everything that must go into your cereal bowl and must yeah. go. It, there's thought- boundaries around how that works. And, and and also too, just with our work, it's like I always know where I, where I want to go. I just don't know how I'm going to get there. So I just really stay open-minded to it and let it just flow freely. Creativity. It, it, it always works out. Um, even when I have difficult people, I, I, as long as I'm patient, uh, those people who are difficult tend to be just like the rock stars of the group. So Isn't that interesting? Gotta stay, stay calm and stay patient, stay the course. So just a quick question, Scott and Jenny. Is every intervention the same? You mentioned there's sometimes difficult people. The letters sound like they're part of the pro forma for what you do. Is there a a time when you say, nah, none of that's going to work. We have to do something. I don't know, fly them up on a balloon somewhere, or we got to do it in a limo, or we got to do it in the back of a pizza parlor. Is is there anything where you have to change it up so much that it doesn't look like the other? Just quickly, Scott. Uh, Absolutely. I'm I'm glad that it's far and few between because I'm a very systems driven person. Mm-hmm. And so it really takes me out of my comfort zone, but yet I'm willing to do it. Um, unfortunately, though, more times than not, when I go outside of my normal protocol, it doesn't turn out usually as good as the other way. So I'm, I, I, I like, I'm a creature of habit. So it, 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 it works. So it's not broken. But we've, but we've done them creatively, not with a plan to do it. So the fact that it happened in the middle of the street or while they were on mm-hmm. the roof or while they were climbed up that tree or while they were locked in the bathroom <laughs> with the water running and, you know, yeah. 
So Thank we've been you. creative because we were invited to be. Ah, okay. It takes a creative person to invite another creative person, right? Shock and amazement. I want to thank all of you. Scott and Jenny, I'm so honored that you came back. Becca and Lindsay, I like you. I love both of you. I'm so honored that you shared your stories with me. I'm not going to get corny on you, but I, I applaud you just because I don't care whether it was an intervention or an addiction or whatever. You came on a show. You were nervous. You don't know me from anywhere. And you came on a live radio show and you were willing to share something about yourself. And I say bravo to that. And I say yeah. I appreciate that. So thank you. Scott and Jenny, you couldn't have picked two more lovely people. I know. I knew They're it. So articulate. The two of you are so we well presented you you expressed yourselves beautifully i have great respect for people who use the english language to their advantage and well so thank you both for just for being you i have some closing remarks here before we go and we're just about out of time but here i'm going to real faster life is short break the rules forgive quickly even yourself kiss slowly that's the best kind i know love truly laugh uncontrollably <laughs> And never regret anything that made you smile. Here's the final closing. Work like you don't need the money. And if you do, pretend you don't. Dance like nobody's watching. And when I was teaching disco and hustle and ballroom, everybody watched. Sing like nobody's listening. And I tried not to sing today. And love like you've never been hurt because actually nobody cares because we've all been hurt. So get over it. Okay. Money talks. Chocolate sings. Last but not least, and I stole this line from another radio host many years ago. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, Jenny. Bye, Scott. Don't go away. We're going to take pictures. Bye, Becca. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.